Hello there, classes in session once again here at the Apartment Academy podcast, the multifamily industry's only operations-focused podcast and your institute for higher NOI. I'm your host, the Dean of the Apartment Academy, Daniel Cunningham, and today's guest lecturer, uh, Professor John Carlson, who is president of Mark Taylor Residential in Arizona, which is a large third-party management company, have some of their own assets, but Mark Taylor, as an organization, has been really at the forefront of um, thinking about technology and, and operating efficiencies. And, uh, and John had some great things to say today about uh, where they're thinking about where the industry is heading in terms of technology and, and new innovations. And uh, I think today it will serve as a great roadmap if you're considering what the future might look like in multifamily. Here's John. All right, Professor Carlson, welcome. Thank you for joining us here at the in the hallowed halls of the Apartment Academy. Good to see you, John. Wonderful to be here. Thanks for having me, Daniel. John, for those who don't know you, um, would you mind just giving us a little bit of uh, an introduction about your background, how you came to be in this business? Sure. Quick story. Grew up in the Midwest, southern Minnesota. Uh, my stepfather was a farmer, workaholic. So uh, from age nine until 18, I was uh, a farmer, went to school full-time, had a full-time job. So I was very busy in that space and realized I didn't want to be a farmer forever. So I went to school to be an electrical engineer. There wasn't a lot of strategy behind that. I was good at math. Uh, so I was on the five-year plan, did that, was able to travel the world with my first company, uh, and really fell in love with Phoenix during that time period and moved here in 2001. Uh, and actually, unbeknownst to me, moved into a Mark Taylor community called San Cervantes and Chandler and uh, met my current vice president, who was my neighbor. Uh, he was an auto work finance guy. I was an auto work engineer guy. Uh, we both started part time leasing. And here we are today, 20 years later. That sounds like a very familiar story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know too many youngsters that were saying, you know, in their, their teens, God, I can't wait to get into multifamily. That's right. Although, you know, we work a little bit with Ball State, which actually has a a degree in property management, believe it or not. So there there is some, I don't know, perverse portion of the population that's like, this is what I want to do for a living at, at a young age. Um, so, and, and Mark Taylor now, tell us a little bit about the, about the company. Yeah, so 37 years in the business. Jeff, Mark, Scott Taylor, founders of Mark Taylor, uh, started the organization in 1985. Uh, Jeff, Mark, really came at it through the lens of development. Scott Taylor was a CPA by trade, um, worked out of school for John Goodman, from Goodman Real Estate out of the Northwest. You know, everyone knows John Goodman. Uh, moved to Phoenix, they met and formed Mark Taylor. And Scott basically said, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll manage the, the finances, the operational side. Jeff said, I'll build them. And they've built over 21,000 units uh, since 1985. Uh, and today we actually manage about 22,000 units, class A only. Uh, and about 80% of those are third-party management, all in Phoenix and Las Vegas. Got it. Well, uh, John, we, we've I, I've known you in the business to be uh, generally at the leading edge of technology and, and forward thinking in terms of where this industry is heading. And I want to talk a little bit about, about that today. I just got back from, you know, Optech Conference was uh, a couple of weeks ago. And um, there was a really interesting buzz on a number of subjects. But I'm curious... Um, it seems like a fun time to be doing what you're doing because there's 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 a lot of new things happening. Um, what would you what would you how would you characterize some of the the advances that are happening on the technological front? 
Yeah, I too, you know, we, we traveled to Las Vegas for OpTech and, you know, I think if we had a dollar for every time we heard centralization uh, and technology, you know, we'd be a lot richer today. Um, I think back to Daniel, I think the spark for where we are today and what I'd like to describe as a technology revolution in this space or this sector goes back to April of 2020. So we were in the height of the pandemic. Uh, we had just locked our doors uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, our leasing offices were closed. And in April of 2020, we leased twice as many apartments as, as we otherwise would have on a per unit basis. So in May, we, we kind of pulled back the curtain and said, okay, you know, we're really a, a, a data company. We've been collecting data and harvesting it for 30 plus years. We looked at our data and said, wow, with our doors locked during a pandemic, we, we, we achieved this. So that told me immediately that there's something wrong with the existing apartment model. Uh, and fast forward to today, two and a half years later, after we spent extensive time on understanding what we do at the site level, you know, things that we have to keep doing, things that we had to remove and things that we could really offload to a more technology hybrid platform. I really look back and say the, 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 the old apartment model died that day or that month. So, you know, I think, you know, looking forward to what we have today and saying, okay, we can do certain things at a very, I'll say exceptional level. And what I mean by that is for us, we're looking at the, the, the operations through a lens of, okay, can we create a five-star resident journey along with a five-star employee journey to create also a five-star client journey? So those three have to, I'll say, coagulate into one uh, to ensure that we're not missing anything as we go about this process, as we start to go centralized. And you know we've been building our platform, not to scoop myself, for about two years, uh, but it's certainly the direction everyone's going. So I think the technology of today, you have to look at, and you were at Optech asking questions, how do I support that? You know, there's a lot of buzz around AI. There's a lot of buzz around, you know, not having on-site staff at a location uh, for nine, nine to 10 hours a day. So how do we, we create an environment that meets the needs of the consumer or customer? And I'll give you an example. You know, we're trying to solve for we have student properties through, you know, I'll say baby boomer properties. And, you know, can you create an experience for that user each day, not necessarily always understanding what exactly they want? Uh, what we know to be true is Gen Z young millennials, they're looking for a, a lower touch uh, type of a journey. And I know through our baby boomers, our property in North Scottsdale, they want to be you know, handheld, white glove, maybe five or six tours to ensure that they're feeling comfortable with their buying decision. So meeting all those aspects in a way that uh, not only meets the, the expectations of the consumer, but also meets the demands of what our, I'll just say our P&Ls, what our clients expect from a, a cost perspective. And then how do we also ensure that our employees are capable and trained to support that process? And what I like to say is from really first touch. So if a prospect finds Mark Taylor, uh, typically it's online or through mobile. Uh, are they getting that five-star experience through that entire process from the time they, they find us through marketing until the time they grab their keys to move in or electronic key through the process of living with us on the and until they exit, hopefully they stay for a long time. Are we creating that five-star experience? So that's, that's the question, or I'll say the holy grail of what we're trying to solve for. Yeah, and would you go so far as to say then that for the Gen Z prospect, for the Gen, Gen Z sort of clientele, that the more hands-off, touchless, 
um, experience in, in it with, let's just talk with respect to leasing for the moment, that is actually preferable? Would you say they actually would prefer to be kind of left to their own devices, tour at their own discretion versus having to meet up with somebody and be had their hand held through the process? For sure. And if you look at, you know, a few surveys we conducted, you know, we conduct surveys often internally with our 35,000 plus residents and about 60% said that they, they do not need to have actual contact with someone uh, during the leasing process. I think Kingsley came out through NMHC. There was about a 55% uh, number that they came back with on, on the contactless uh, process. So I think that number is about right. So just say half of our prospects today aren't looking for that leasing consultant to show up at a leasing office and walk them through an actual model unit uh, as we would traditionally, you know, three years ago. Yeah, we, you never would have convinced people of that, but for the fact that the pandemic happened and people were forced to adopt it, never. I, I mean, be, have, as you, I think you know, John, I was on the operator side for a while and we always used to say, this is my favorite phrase people used to say, people don't lease, you know, the apartment, they lease from the person, right? <laughs> Classic statement. And, and undoubtedly, and I, and I think, you know, we have to do a better job as an industry in terms of listening to our consumers. They're telling us that they don't need that necessarily. So uh, we know our 3D tours, our virtual agents. Uh, we built our AI tool called Hobbs. Uh, he he processes about 40, 42% of our appointments uh, directly through Hobbs. So that's saying I don't need to call someone physically to set a schedule an appointment. Um, so unquestionably, the consumer is saying that to us today. That's cool. You want to talk about Hobbs for a sec? How does how does Hobbs compare to some of the other AI sort of chatbots sort of things that are out right now? Yeah, I, you know, we've been you know it's an, it's a learning tool, right? So it's it's something that you know as as Hobbs gets more exposure to the marketplace, uh, he grows and, and learns. Um, I think he's more from a true scheduler into uh, really a support mechanism. So um, there's a lot of things that we're going to ask Hobbs to do over the next two years. Uh, that I don't know that most AI would do in the past. Uh, I'll give you an example. Um, if you have a, let's just go centralized for a second, um, speaking hypothetically, uh, potentially in practice, uh, you have one leasing agent handling a pot of properties. Uh, Hobbs will assist that person in terms of knowledge around that asset, that submarket or those assets specifically. So let's just say you're, you're a brand new leasing agent and you're handling that conversation with a prospect, Hobbs is feeding that person through their dashboard that we also built, our own CRM tool and uh, single office. Uh, they're feeding that information to that person. So as that person's asking questions, whether it's through text, chat, or phone, uh, Hobbs is surfacing answers for that person if they're talking about breed restrictions or uh, local restaurants, uh, best place to get dry cleaning. Hobbs can surface that information to support and an engagement for that leasing consultant that otherwise they'd be searching for on their own. Uh, just give me a minute, I'll go find it. So, you know, there's an augmenting uh, approach to hybrid that supports the interaction from a personal perspective, but supported through AI. And that's just one component. Yeah. And that makes all kinds of sense to me on, on the front end of that experience. Having, um, having automation there makes things arguably a, a better experience than somebody in person, for sure. Um, how does that translate? Does this carry over onto the maintenance side in any way? There's there's talk, which, well, I won't, I won't bias you, but there's talk about um, shifting maintenance, perhaps to the residents themselves, uh, getting away from even that sort of high-touch environment. Do you think there's an analog 
here for Hobbes or, 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 you know, some other, right. Some other system, but is there an analog in on the maintenance side here? Uh, absolutely. So we're using some components of, of, of HappyCo uh, to support that, that journey for residents. So um, I think a few things within that scope, and there's, there's a few platforms within Happy that support this, but uh, think about a resident that, that contacts the management organization, regardless of time, and let's just say it's a breaker that was tripped. Well, if we can identify through the process of them submitting that work order or doing a call request, uh, if there's a certain threshold of things that we could easily answer through AI, through Hobbs, say, hey, the breaker is here. You just got to trip it. This is the this is the process and or servicing that actual situation through a virtual agent. Uh, we can mitigate some of those. We know this data to be true about 25 percent of work orders because they are that basic. Right. Garbage disposal needs a reset. Uh, breakers tripped. Uh, all of these basic things can be handled without having a service technician physically go to the asset and go to that unit. And of course, why does that work? It's because the resident just wants it fixed now. And if you think about the, the capacity or limited capacity of folks today in terms of their, I'll just say they have a propensity to want things now, right? Especially young millennials and Gen Z, uh, because they're so tech savvy and used to things on their phone. Uh, if we can solve for that within a few minutes through that virtual agent, it just makes that experience much better, reduces costs to the ownership group, reduces, a, the, I'll just say, a tremendous uh, amount of time that it takes for a service technician to go out physically to one one unit, you know, maybe on, on an on-call situation. That's a lot of time, effort, and money. Yeah. And and how about um, on day-to-day -day operations? Is there is there an aspect of centralization uh, that can apply to community, property managers, that sort of thing? Certainly, I think if you look at, you know, I'll use Mark Taylor as an example, because of our concentration in one submarket uh, or one market as a whole, you know, I might have nine assets in one location. I have 14 assets in Tempe, Arizona. So, you know, the old model would be if I had an asset that was on baseline road and just say the other assets two minutes away, we would not share staffing, right? And not only that, we would not share it from an efficiency perspective. So if you had 50 work orders, you know, arbitrary numbers, 50 work orders at property A and only five at property B and no move-ins, that staff might be, I'll just say, not as efficient that day because they don't have to do as many things. So they might be doing, uh, you know, curbs and other, other tasks that matter, but it's not the actual needed engagement at the other asset where we need two more people to actually help with, with true work orders that day. So I think it's managing the efficiencies property to property through really the collective uh, versus thinking of us as having isolated teams. And I just think of it as it as today we're Mark Taylor employees. Uh, it's no longer about, you know, it's it's property X or property Y. And I think getting ownership groups on board with that, uh, because, you know, this too, Daniel, from from working in this business, uh, an owner might say, well, that's my manager. That's my that's my service manager. What do you mean they're going to go work down the street? Well, you're going to save money, first of all, on personnel costs, which we know are going this way with inflation. Um, the idea being creating more efficiencies, allocating those resources to support a better business model. So I think it has to change on all fronts to really make it work. And, you know, again, the old model of saying, no, it's just my team. It's my staff is is probably not the way to go about the hybrid support role long term as we shift into this new phase. So there are, I agree, some obvious 
cost-saving measures for sure. Um, arguably, you're, I think you're making the case that you can actually have certainly uh, um, equal amounts of uh, service, um, if perhaps if not a better experience. Um, some of this that you were just describing, though, really relies on a an operator of the scale of a Mark Taylor residential. Um, do you think that with these obvious advantages that will make you more competitive and offer your clients better, uh, better expense profiles, maybe a better NOI, are we seeing sort of the end of the kind of the of the mom and pop property management? Is this going to lead to greater um, aggregation with larger operators who are the only ones that can really enjoy these kinds of efficiencies of scale? Uh, yes and no. I think that you can have some aggregation in certain submarkets or certain metros with a smaller mom and pop organization. Um, certainly, you can get efficiencies from just two properties, right? So, you know, I, I think there's opportunity there. I think the question will be how do you support that from a technology lens? So, um, I'll go back to Optech for a second. And if you said to an operator ownership group, said, hey, I have a soup to nuts solution. Uh, that will create this environment for you. Uh, and here it is, that would be great, but no one has it, right? So there's a lot of, I'll just say, um, barriers along the way because you're solving for maybe a leasing solution through AI or CRM or, or what have you, but now we're not solving for the service side. And then we're maybe not integrating that with residents and prospects. So now you're on a different platform. So I, I think there's a lot of mismatching along the way. So creating that, I'll just say seamless process for all of your prospects from start to finish. And you're trying to remove resistant points, um, not only from a technology perspective, but from us, right? We tend to get in the way as management. Oh, you got to wait for a leasing agent to show up. Tutorial. No, no, no. Here's, here's a self-guided. Uh, you got to wait for a service technician. No, no, no. Here's a virtual. He'll help you with this unless it's something significant or major. So I, I don't know that it removes mom and pops necessarily, and I, I hope it doesn't. I, you know, I think that's that's how this all started way back in the day. Uh, yeah. But I think efficiencies matter, and I think the new model will will require you to have two or three assets at least. Right. Um, am, am I to interpret what you were just saying about you know wanting to stay in one platform? Is does is that also apply to uh, that operators right now really are choosing best of breed point solutions? And we kind of wish it was all in, 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 in just one like PMS platform is, or is it okay on an ongoing basis to be, to have, you know, leasing done here, accounting done there and your AI is from this provider. Yeah. I mean, I, am a believer, we're a believer in, in, in best practice per, per category and really integrating those through open API. Um, I think if, you know, if RealPage or, or Yardi or Entrada were, were on this right now, uh, they'd really push for that one-stop solution, right? Use my stack. Uh, I'll take care of you along the way. Uh, I just, you know, I'll speak as, as an experienced operator. I feel like there's limitations within those stacks. You know, there's some things that, you know, RealPage might do really well, but some things that they don't. Um, so I, I think we all know that to be true. I'm not picking on any of the, the large... Uh, software companies, uh, but it's really hard to be good at all of those different verticals because it's so unique in terms of processes and procedures and experience for individual cycles of that prospect journey, uh, including once you move in. Um, so I think, you know, think about service for a second. Uh, 
today, I don't know anyone that does this really well, where they'll go and, and inspect a unit that was just moved out of, and they're going through an electronic summary of what they need for a parts order, and all of a sudden that feeds into a PMS, feeds into their software, feeds into a support mechanism, third-party vendor like just say HD Supply, and all of a sudden the next day drop ship is there's your turn package or your inventory control system. Hey, we're under our threshold. Let's automatically order based on what we're seeing through our through our app. So I mean, I think all of those things. There's 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 so many ways to create more more efficiencies, and I think that's the mad scramble right now. How do we solve for all of those things without overwhelming our management team, specifically on the site level, right? Because if you pull out your phone today and you're a service technician or a leasing consultant, you might have seven different apps that you have to go into or logins, uh, even with single sign-on because there's not a seamless solution for all of them. And I don't see anything around the corner that says, oh, this is going to take care of all of that. So um, for us, we're still believers in, in best, best single type software scenarios, um, which is why we've, we've, we've built certain software within our within our own stack yeah which is unusual uh and and definitely commendable if you're able to do that successfully i i want to come back to the overwhelming uh point you just made but um uh but so what would you say i i think that your your um your anecdote about the vendor coordination and purchasing is a good one not well done uh pms systems have you know that in theory that functionality not not well utilized probably still in its infancy are there other areas of um in in on in the tech stacks that you're utilizing or you hope to utilize where where, where is the next innovation coming where is there more improvement needed what if you could wave, wave a magic wand what would appear on the horizon to solve more problems for you I, I mean i think when you think about centralized leasing um you know dustin lacy our vp of technology and marketing uh, leads a monthly kind of quorum across the country uh, with large ma large management companies talking about how to really understand, you know, how we how do we create the right infrastructure for centralized leasing, uh, and what I mean by that, creating kind of rules of engagement so that we can all be successful. Uh, and I think that's you know where tide lift all uh, tide lifts all bo boats in a, in a certain manner. Meaning we want to make sure that that there's an there's a a consistency around that process. So. Um, I think that's the that's the next frontier. How do we create a centralized platform that you can engage in uh, throughout not just submarkets, metros across states, and then regions, uh, but to make that a seamless experience for for all three again: manager, prospect, actual resident, and then client on the back end. Uh, I think those things are really important in terms of how we we build that uh, technology and software to go forward. Can can you go into that a little detail? What happens if if you don't have great uh, great consistency across those platforms? Like, why is there a need to have this discussion about? Hey, we we all want to make sure we're doing this kind of the same way. Why does that matter? I think there's there's benefits to those type of synergies, and I think if you look at prospects today, and you know, we basically live off of this today in, in so many ways. So if you think about what that means. You know, our experience uh, from a technology perspective is Google, it's uh, Microsoft, uh, it's Apple, all of those things, and they spend billions of dollars to create a seamless experience. So you get to a multifamily community, and all of a sudden, if that is just slightly below what your new expectation level is, because if you're Gen Z, you, and you lived on an Apple phone your entire life, things are pretty easy. 
right? In terms of, of what you can do on, on your phone, seamless, easy, app related. I can order food tomorrow uh, for today. I Meaning there's just so many easy things you can do. Um, if you think about that overall, you have to create some consistencies around that user experience. Now you could say, well, one management company or organization can do it really well at the highest level and everyone else will be over here kind of trying to figure it out. Um, but I, I think we owe it to our industry to kind of figure out what this means long term. And, you know, for all of us saying that we do things so differently, uh, we do a lot of things really the same way. So let's create some framework around kind of the rules of engagement and you're going to have some outliers, but uh, I think best practices, best ideas will help all of us. So um, that's the idea. I know we're going to all have some of our own secret sauce and that's okay. Um, but really creating best practices through all those ideas and solutions matters. Yeah, I think it's one of the nice things about this industry is that people don't really look at themselves as competitors in the same way as other industries might. There, there's a lot of collaboration on that front, which is nice. Um, uh, you, you have been um, not only... Um, I, I, well, I want to talk about change management because you, um, not only is Mark Taylor sort of on the cutting edge of adopting a lot of technology, you have developed some of your own technology. I probably can count on one finger the number of, uh, of homegrown bespoke AI bots that, that I know of, right? Um, so you have had to deal with change management, not only just with uh, third-party vend, third vendor software, but your own software you developed that you want to get rolled out there. How do you do that successfully to, to operators that are listening to you now? They're like, I would love to do all of this, John, but I'm going to have a revolt on my hands at the site level. Where I tried. How do you ease this in, train people, get buy-in to make all this successful? Yeah, I think the first step is recognizing, okay, what, what are you willing to compromise uh, in terms of how you look at your operational day-to-day -day and then the long-term perspective? So what I like to say is we're really, as, as Mark Taylor, we're playing the infinite game. We want to be in business 40, 50, 60, 70 years. So we're not trying to solve for a, just say a quarterly P&L or, or the, the, the necessary things of just today. We're trying to solve for this long term. So if we look at, um, and I'm not going to, I'll just say, if we looked at a specific tech stack and we said, okay, if we, we assess 10 of them and all of them are like a six or seven out of 10, uh, we believe we can do better. So if you can partner with the right group, that can support you through that lens and say, okay, uh, I understand your frustrations or, or the limitations that you see around this software stack. So just say it's a seven, we think we can build a nine. Well, we think we can build a nine, but we're gonna need Mark Taylor's help. So we're gonna need you to guide us through that process. So, you know, we'll isolate uh, just say three of our owned assets. Uh, so not, we're not, you know, impacting operational results or P&Ls of third party groups and just say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna trial this out based on what we've 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 kind of created a framework for for this software program, and we'll go through that for six, nine, twelve months in terms of testing, and really try to understand if if we have a viable product. Okay, you know we figured these things out. We're gonna fail, but we're gonna fail quickly and learn. And by month twelve, we're saying, okay, uh, we're at an eight. We think we can get get to a ten. Here's what's missing. So as we release our next uh, stack of you know, 2.0, 3.0, uh, we start to create that viable product. And then eventually it's at a level where we can say, okay, third-party management owner, hey, this is a green lighting. We're, we're going to do it on our own assets. Um, so that's the unique advantage I think that we have is, you know, we have 6,000 units we own. We can, we can trial that, uh, work through some of those kinks, and then 
and go to market with the third party ownership groups uh, once once solved for. Yeah, that's a it's a it's a nice. First of all, that's I think uh, very forward again forward looking of you guys to to take the time to work with vendors like that. Um, uh, not everyone has that. I think the luxury of being able to do that, or the time and the patience to do that, because it's it's a real partnership. I've seen that with with Leonardo twenty four seven clients for sure. Um, so again, you be to be applauded on that front. Um, any last thoughts, Mark? On um, uh, sorry, with Mark with Mark with respect to Mark Taylor, um, what you guys are looking for? Um, if you want to look five years down the road. What do you think is going to be? Is there anything left that Mark Taylor feels is trans yet to be transformative in our business, or is it all here? We're just now polishing. I, I never think it's all here, right, Daniel? I think you know, in your space and you know your experience, mine. I think that you know what we we know today will be different in in five years. And uh, there's an old saying I like to say, and this is what I said often during the pandemic or when we first got those those data points on leasing in April of 2020. Uh, in times of change, the learners inherit the earth while the learned are perfectly equipped to handle a world that no longer exists. So I think we're at the very cusp of this technology revolution. Uh, I think the groups that really harness this and understand, okay, what are things that are most important? Uh, and then what's driving that, right? Are you trying to create that five-star experience for residents, employees, clients? Can you do it for all three? Uh, I think for us, you know, our our actual mission statement is to create exceptional communities that invite, inspire, and feel like home. Well, I think the only way you do that is through people, meaning so our, our, our number one strategic initiative is people. It's people, excellence, and growth, but we know that excellence and growth come through that, that people-focused, centric approach. So it's through investing in our people, training them the right way, supporting the right way, empowering them, giving them the opportunity to, to grow in their career and in themselves, uh, I think that's that's how you do it. So you have to have that secret sauce. Uh, you can have all the technology in the world, but if you don't have the right people that are taking accountability, that are, are really creating that ownership aspect and pushing that forward, I don't think you can be successful. So I think as much as we talk about technology, it goes back to, okay, at the base, you have people that really care, get it, understand that they're sharp, they're trained, and you're, you know that evolution comes from that hybrid solution. Um, so I think that's, that's the journey we're seeking. We've always been a people business at, at the core of what we do. Maybe we're just a little less people than we used to, uh, have involved in that process, maybe going forward or more specialization. Yeah, I think f flexible, right? So, uh, look at restaurants today, right? You know, you'd have four or five star restaurants, uh, go to Arcadia, go to Buck and Rider three years ago you wouldn't have any takeout section. Today, there's a long line every Thursday, Friday, Saturday of people just getting takeout because they modified their business model. And why? Because customers love to get buck and rider. They don't have to go sit in the restaurant, but they love the food. So I just think, you know, we have to be adapt adaptable and flexible around how we're seeing those, those interactions with our customers and continue to listen and continue to grow and adapt. That's, that's critical to our success, regardless of what technology is presented. John, thank you so much for sharing all this great uh, wisdom with our with our listeners today, and all, congratulations on all the success growing Mark Taylor to a, a really top tier uh, management company um, that's well respected, I think nationwide. Although uh, for for the listeners, uh, those interested in maybe third party management, again, Arizona, Nevada, those are the two areas of concentration at the moment. Yeah. No, I appreciate your time. Humbled to be on your show, and 
uh, as always, love connecting with you and, and look forward to talk, talking to you more in the future. We'll see you at the next show. Thanks, John. Thank you for joining us at this week's episode of the Apartment Academy podcast. The Apartment Academy is a production of Leonardo 24-7, the industry's leader in multifamily operations and maintenance software. At Apartment Academy, we realize the hard work that goes into property management and the stress that comes along with it. Leonardo 24-7 takes the guesswork out of your team's day-to-day by providing customized daily guidance on tasks that need to be done, guaranteeing consistent operations across your entire portfolio. To learn more, visit www.leonardo247.com today.